Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D, this is the Deep Dive Microcast. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, police lineup model, and writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive Podcast, where myself and my co-host, Manda, look at the lesser-known, maybe obscure, and perhaps forgotten offerings available on streaming media services. And that is precisely the topic for this episode. May the 20th is, believe it or not, National Streaming Day. Yes, that is a real thing. It was started in 2014 by, shockingly, a streaming media platform. In this case, by Roku. Now, if you're not familiar with the name, Roku makes streaming boxes and software that attach to your TV or are built into your smart TV to allow access to most streaming media services. Now, to drum up awareness of their platform, they concocted this National Streaming Day. Now, other services have jumped on the bandwagon, including Disney+, Hulu, ESPN, and others. As far as I know, there are no Hallmark cards for National Streaming Day. Yet. But if there were, they might read something like this. My deepest sympathies for your low bandwidth. Our thoughts are with you during this time of great buffering. Congratulations on your new bundle of joy. We are so happy for you and your blessing of 125 new channels of ad-supported content. Thank you for the lovely gift of your Netflix password. I'm sure my family won't abuse it binge-watching Fuller House. Well, while there are many streaming services around to take up your valuable time, there's one behemoth that still to this day dominates the streaming landscape, YouTube. While it may seem that YouTube has been around, depending on your age, either forever or just a few years, its real beginnings go back nearly two decades, as the internet was entering its adolescence. The Deep Dive Microcast presents a brief history of YouTube. Unless you've been living under a rock with really poor Wi-Fi for the past decade and a half, you are almost certainly aware of YouTube. Essentially, it's an online repository for videos that have been uploaded by individuals, groups, corporations. Those videos are available for anyone with a decent internet connection to watch on a computer, smartphone, tablet, or connected TV. Now that's admittedly a very basic description. YouTube has become so much more since its inception way back in 2005. YouTube was the brainchild of three men who were early employees of another massive internet success story. Chad Hurley, Steve Chen, and Javed Karim were working for online payment system PayPal when that company was bought out by eBay in 2002. 
The trio initially wanted to use their expertise to create an easy-to-use way to upload and browse videos within a web browser as a dating service. That's right. YouTube was originally called TuneIn Hookup. What changed their minds? Well, more likely who? Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. Tonight, Janet Jackson is apologizing for her flash dance. The singer calls the bodice-ripping move by fellow entertainer Justin Timberlake during the Super Bowl halftime show a last-minute stunt that went too far. Unfortunately, the whole thing went wrong in the end. I am really sorry if I offended anyone. That was truly not my intention. The notorious Super Bowl incident made global headlines. But if you wanted to see video of that wardrobe malfunction online, well, you really couldn't, at least not easily. So Hurley, Chen, and Kareem shifted their focus from a dating video site to a broader platform where all kinds of content could be uploaded. No one could possibly have anticipated just how many videos would be uploaded. Six months after going online, YouTube was getting over 2 million viewers per day. A year after that, the number shot up to over 100 million viewers and over 20,000 video uploads per day. Now, with this kind of growth, growing pains were inevitable. The technology needed to keep pace with this service would not be easy to obtain or cheap. YouTube on its own didn't have the digital infrastructure to handle the sheer amount of data storage and broadband internet connectivity that it needed. And there was also the prickly matter of copyright infringement. Many videos being posted to YouTube were done so without permission of the copyright owners. They still are. But the powers that be at YouTube were afraid of being hit with multiple and potentially bankrupting lawsuits over infringing videos. With all of these challenges before it, the owners of YouTube began looking for a buyer, one with deep pockets legal expertise, Hollywood connections, and the technological know-how to keep YouTube up and running. And so, in November of 2006, YouTube was purchased by Google for the paltry sum of $1.6 billion in stock. The site became so popular that year, it was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. But what really made YouTube a must-visit site was the advent of the viral video. And that's a video that is shared numerous times by viewers and becomes more famous or infamous than the originator intended or expected. What was the first viral video? Well, many believe it was one of Saturday Night Live's so-called digital shorts featuring former SNL cast members Andy Samberg, and Chris Parnell. Lazy Sunday. Lazy Sunday, wake up in the late afternoon. Call Parnell just to see how he's doing. Hello, what up, Parn? Yo, Samberg, what's cracking? You thinking what I'm thinking? Party up, man, it's happening. Then I got a call, I think, from Mark Lepus in NBC Publicity saying that the New York Times wanted to interview interview me. I was like, what? He said, like, yeah, this is this is a big thing. They're making t-shirts and stuff. And I was like, I was flabbergasted. 
for me the next morning when I stepped out of my apartment, I got recognized. That's when Saturday Live sketches started taking off virally. That's how I found out about YouTube. That was the first YouTube thing I ever got was Lazy Sunday. And I went, oh, YouTube. Oh, and I watched the thing. I was like, oh, wow, it's on this site. This site's pretty cool. What is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? These days, viral videos can be found on numerous social media platforms like TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram. Now, some viral videos were more controversial than others. Footage from global areas of conflict, protests, police body cams have all been uploaded to YouTube. Now, I could devote hours and hours to the various YouTube controversies, from the Elsagate videos on the YouTube Kids site to uploads from truly problematic YouTubers like Logan and Jake Paul to the inevitable apology videos from problematic YouTubers. By the way, if any or all those names mean nothing to you, you can find them all on YouTube, or you can just spare yourself the dead brain cells and avoid the drama altogether. As immensely popular and influential as YouTube has become over the past 15 years, no one was prepared for the impact the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 would have on the service. With most people staying home due to the virus, YouTube's traffic increased by an estimated 60% and also became a home for live CDC updates and other valuable COVID-related information. Unfortunately, it also became a platform for those spreading potentially dangerous disinformation and inflammatory rhetoric about the disease. But at its core, YouTube is about creation. Whether it's some dude in his basement making videos about his toy trains, or a woman demonstrating her daily workout routine, or an aspiring songwriter just trying to break through, YouTube is a place where anyone can post their thoughts, talents, or passions for the rest of the world to see. And see it, they do. Over a billion people worldwide are regular YouTube viewers. And over 5 billion videos are watched each and every day. And if you think that viewership is mostly from Americans, well, 80% of YouTube views are from outside the U.S. And content is available in 76 languages. Love it or hate it, YouTube has become one of the most influential forces on this planet. It has created celebrities, made millionaires, and even destroyed lives. YouTube continues to show us the best and the worst of ourselves. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney.
The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.